tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Okay, so let's start today with a very crass, uh, a crass intro to the subject of our show. Let's set the tone. All right. Yeah, agreed. So once upon a time, there's this guy who urinates on a Secret Service man who is shielding this guy from public view. Go on. The Secret Service man is horrified because, you know, he's in the Secret Service and therefore going to go out on a limb and say he's not used to people peeing on him. The person, the subject of today's podcast, when uh, when he sees this shocked expression of, of horror on this guy's face, he only says, that's all right, son. It's my prerogative. It's my prerogative. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Ben. My name is Noel. And the shoe pisser in question uh, is none other than Lyndon Baines Johnson, the 36th president of these fair United States and notorious Shoopier. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, out of all the presidents, he is the most notorious when it comes to uh, the the high crime of Shoopier, or at least the eccentric behavior. This is the president who took the oath of office on November 22nd, 1963, uh, almost immediately following the assassination of President Kennedy. It's true. And on that day, when he assumed uh, his new job as president and took residence in the White House, he immediately set to overhauling the telephone system in the White House in a very, very big and, dare we say, ridiculous way. Oh, we dare. We do dare, my friend, because this was just baffling. So the first thing he did 
uh, was that he had phones installed everywhere beneath dining tables, coffee tables, in tables, in bathrooms, on windowsills. And you can find uh, in the oral history for the LBJ Presidential Library by James Jones the argument that the president led the construction of a wired mobile phone network using phones as call relay points just so wherever he went in the building, he would never have to get off the phone unless he wanted to. Yeah, he was a notorious multitasker. He would often take several calls at the same time. I'm trying to picture that. It's like, did he have handlers that would pass him the phone and then say, excuse me, the president needs a minute, and then he would get another one, and then he would have another one passed back to him? Uh, I'm confused. We do, however, know that he was a big fan of the power move, and he apparently liked to use the phone as a tool. It was even said as a weapon because he could bully people very easily on the phone. Like he was so comfortable with it that he had it down pat and could essentially get people to do what he wanted by speaking to them in a certain way. And the beauty of this is you don't have to depend on our word for this because he also recorded like every conversation that he had, which I think there are 9,000 tapes Mm -hmm. around that you can actually get your hands on. And he had them transcribed. And in his evening reading materials for the day, his handlers would slip him these transcripts so he could go over the day's business. And it wasn't all pure paranoia, right, Ben? I mean, it was to kind of show that he had gotten things done, but also he could call people out on things, couldn't he? Right. Yeah. And he used this method often. If there was someone in the press that he felt had misquoted him in an interview, he would go back and check the transcripts. If there were uh, another member of Congress or another politician who was waffling or backing away from something they had agreed to on the interview, uh, Johnson had no compunction whatsoever about going public with it. But (laughs) there's another thing you can find here. Uh, 9,000 tapes. That's a lot of tape. Uh, He would signal to his secretary with like a little wave of his hand, his finger Mm -hmm. in a let's roll circle uh, to turn on the recorders. But his staff sometimes forgot to turn them off. So you can also hear him having these very strange, mundane conversations. There's one where he's trying to get a guy to come cut his hair for free as the president. (laughs) And actually, can we can we play a clip of this, Casey? Can I talk to you now without getting in the paper and getting it advertised? I give you my solemn words as a gentleman. I'm a poor man. I don't make much money, but I got a wife and a couple of daughters and uh, four or five people that run around with me, and I like the way you make them look. This is your country, and I want to see what you want to do about it. When do you want me to come? Well, it uh, depends first on how much it'll cost me. Okay. So, a notorious multitasker, shoe peer, and cheapskate. Well, he liked, he liked a deal, but it, it's interesting to us in a time when phones were a known thing, uh, but they weren't as ubiquitous as they are today. It's strange to us that his mission was to make every place where he spent any sustained amount of time essentially one big telephone office. And this didn't stop at the White House, did it? No, he was a native Texan as you could probably hear from his drawl. Um, but he had a ranch house, like a really sweet, sprawling ranch house in Austin, Texas. Yeah, so on this property, he had a giant oak tree wired with a telephone jack and a 35-foot cord. And, and that wasn't it. I mean, he had, uh, I think he was probably the first president or maybe human that had a, a phone installed next to a hammock. So, you know, he was getting his R&R. But if an important call came down, he was going to take it. And you have to wonder, was he a hammock swinger? 
or was he just laying there? Because you'd wonder about the cord. He he also had uh, at least 15 local and long-distance lines at this ranch, which became known as the Texas White House. Did we mention that part yet? No. Oh, yeah, the Texas White House. And he had 72 handsets. Here's one that I thought of when we earlier mentioned his notorious multitasking. Mm-hmm. One of these handsets was built to handle 24 calls at once, and it's a single handset. So was this conference calling? Was he switching back and forth? Uh, was it just a cool gadget that he felt a man of his station deserved? Well, he certainly was an innovator, at least in unreasonable requests that led to technological advancements. Because before we had anything approaching cellular phone service, he had phone operators go with him on Air Force One so that he could stay in contact with the Texas switchboard. And just to give you a sense of his daily telephone call uh, workload. Um, it's estimated that he took somewhere in the neighborhood of between 40 and 100 calls a day. And that includes like ones that he took at the same time. Again, I'm picturing him with one phone on one ear and one on the other, like a cartoonish, absurd thing. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but it didn't stop on the phone. He, he, he was a maximizer. He liked to make the most of every single second and he did not like to stop talking. There are tales, um, in addition to urinating on secret servicemen, uh, where he would force people to follow him into the bathroom yeah. while he dropped trow and or a deuce mm-hmm. and continued talking to this reporter and or head of state even, right? Yeah, the Johnson treatment. He would get in people's faces as well. He would follow them into the bathroom and harangue them while they were while they were peeing. But uh, Noel, you're absolutely right. He was also fond of making people follow him into the bathroom and lecturing them, continuing his lecture rather, while he was using the restroom. And if he were defecating, he would just leave the door open so he could still stare at them. That's... uh. <laughs> It was just cartoonish. What, I mean, what kind of like uh, Austin Powers, Mike Myers sort of joke is that, you know? I don't know. It's a little creepy if you ask me. And he was, you know, very much a very much a creep and a philanderer. Uh, he, he also you can find snippets of him when he didn't think he was being recorded talking about stuff like this on the phone. He was uh, notorious for cheating on his wife, Lady Bird, as she was popularly called. And we came to find that his staff was also involved in this because again, he's always wired, right? He's always about about building these contraptions, these phone networks. He built something else. You're talking about the buzzer. Oh yeah. You know, the one what's what's happening with the buzzer. What's the buzz about the buzzer? No. Yeah. So it's, you know, it was a button um, that he had his staff uh, install in the oval office so that, his handlers and secret service uh, protectors could give it a good buzz. It would be connected to his office if his wife was cited because he was notorious for hiring pretty young things to work in and around him in his office. And, uh, you know, more than a few rumors about him possibly getting a little attention on the side uh, when old Lady Bird was not around. Right, right. So, you know, buzz, buzz, buzz. We know Lady Bird's been cited. Um, you know, pants on, I guess, which uh, which fits, unfortunately, with his character. While we're doing the crass Johnson facts, uh, we should admit that he was probably out of I don't want to say he was the most likely out of all presidents, but he's definitely in the top five presidents most likely to send someone a dick pic 
because he was fond of showing uh, both men and women his genitals. His Johnson? He named it also, yeah, he uh, apparently named it Jumbo. Okay. Yeah. So at least by his own uh, admission, a well-endowed fella. I just – why would this guy be allowed in public restrooms? Why would he be allowed in public? <laughs> he seems like a nightmare. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet – Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of pants. Yes, yes, yes. I'd love to hear another clip. Uh, this one is a conversation between President Johnson and his tailor where he describes to him, the tailor, um, some particulars about the measurements for these 
custom slacks. He needs some extra room in uh, in certain uh, uh, areas, shall we say. Uh, Mr. Hager? Yes, it's Joe Hager. Uh, Joe, uh, uh, is your father the one that uh, makes uh, clothes? Yes, sir. We're all together. Uh, you all made me some real lightweight slacks. Uh, now, I need about six pairs for summer wear. I want them half an inch larger in the waist than they were before, except I want two or three inches of stuff left back in there so I can take them up. I vary 10 to 15 pounds a month. So uh, leave me at least two and a half, three inches in the back where I can let them out or take them up. Yeah. Now, another thing with crotch down where your nuts hang is always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me a inch that I can let out there. Uh, because they cut me. They're just like riding a, a wire fence. These are almost these are the best that I've had anywhere in the United States. But uh, uh, when I gain a little weight, they cut me under there. You never do have much margin there. But see if you can't leave me about an inch from the, where the zipper ends uh, around uh, under my back to my bunghole. So I can let it out there if I need to. Ah, yes, the old Johnson bunghole. Yes, it's true. That is indeed the 36th president of these fine United States. Hey, you know, with what we've got going on today, that's not too far off, right? Oh, my gosh. What if Johnson had Twitter? Whew, can't imagine. <laughs> my favorite part is where he says, you know, down where the nuts hang. <laughs> and he does have he does have a uh, compelling accent. He was known as a gifted vocal communicator despite the the aggression it's interesting because he came from a poverty-stricken community and grew up impoverished sure. uh with a oral storytelling background and he always knew that he wanted to be a politician right because his after they lost the family farm his father became a politician instead but he never lost this focus the central focus on the power of communication, and although he recorded so much of his uh, phone correspondence, he still adhered to rules once articulated by Earl Long, who was Louisiana's three-time governor, and it reads the following, Don't write anything you can phone. Don't phone anything you can talk face-to-face. -face. Don't talk anything you can smile. Don't smile anything you can wink. Don't wink anything you can nod. So because of his reliance on the telephone, despite the energy he put into, uh, you know, having face-to-face -face communication over written correspondence, these recordings become better sources than documents for tracing what he actually did. And you can see sort of the, let's say, the edges of the unrecorded conversations he had oh, yeah. where he was dragging people into the bathroom. Oh, no, it's a highly, highly teachable moment of being really able to see the way a very powerful man like this actually conducted business because apparently uh, in a lot of his public addresses, he was a lot more stiff mm -hmm. and uh, more formal. And, you know, we're, we're, we're dinging this guy for a lot of things that are very dingworthy. Uh, rightly um, so. Rightly so. But, you know, he also had some problematic policies. <laughs> it wasn't he wasn't just, you know, not the best president because of, you know, his tendencies to to flash and urinate on people. Um, he also had some real problematic <laughs> attitudes towards uh, you know, the U.S. involvement in Vietnam. Isn't that right, Ben? Yeah, it's commonly seen uh, by 
historians as a huge misstep for his administration, perhaps indeed the chief misstep, and that would be the escalation of the war in Vietnam. Uh, You can read an article about this on CNN uh, called How LBJ Wrecked His Presidency. That should just give you a taste of where people are coming from here by Julian Zelizer. I love that name. Those are two Zs. Very strong name. Zelizer. It's interesting because, again, in these recordings, we find that offstage – when he wasn't grandstanding to the public, he was conflicted and deeply so about what the hell they should do. He calls it a mess. He can't see a way out of it. Sure. Um, and, you know, and the guy was not without his strong points. He did sign the Civil Rights Act of 1964, mm-hmm. which was uh, the U.S. labor law that outlawed discrimination based on uh, religion, sexual orientation, origin of birth or race. So – you know, that's a pretty big step. Um, so got to give credit where credit is due, I guess. And you do hear some of his more tender side, I guess, in some of these phone calls as well. Sure. He obviously was a very big caricature of a personality. But in this call where he's talking to Jacqueline Kennedy after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, um, he's very kind to her. In other words, uh, the government would be represented by uh – uh, Bobby and Teddy and Chief Justice and uh, oh. uh, Rust, they're going to be over there anyway. If he wants to go with you, it would be uh, whoever you want to take in your own party. And if you'd like to do that, you just uh, uh, let me know and I'll have it all set up for you. And uh, it'll be at your disposal whenever you want it for whatever time you want it. Mm-hmm. So nice. But that's wasting no, no, it's not at all. It's very important to us and very important to the country. And uh, you uh, you just uh, let me know how you feel if you have a chance to think about it. Oh, listen, I just don't know what to say. You don't say anything. It's the nicest thing I ever heard of. And additionally, under his administration, he passed one of the most important and influential acts in recent history, and that is the Voting Rights Act in 1965. We have a clip there as well. There is no constitutional issue here. The command of the Constitution is plain. There is no moral issue. It is wrong, deadly wrong, to deny any of your fellow Americans the right to vote in this country. And there you're kind of getting that slightly more stilted, speechy, written part of his personality. Mm. And it's really interesting to have the opportunity to kind of weigh those two sides with these candid recordings of his phone calls versus his public persona. Because as far as we know, other than Nixon, and I don't think anyone's getting their hands on those tapes anytime soon. Um, Not a lot of presidents did this, and they certainly are not accessible to the public in this way. So good on Johnson. I I do want to say there's a great quotation by Nixon, uh, which reads, People said my language was bad, but Jesus, you should have heard LBJ. (laughs) There you go. So I hope you like that bootleg Nixon (laughs) Oh, that was good. You had, the, you, had the, you had the mumble. Just right, Ben. Ah, <laughs> For some reason, when you're doing that, it reminds me of the old school uh, Tim Curry 
Pennywise, yeah, when he's making, when he's like scaring the kids. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Oh, he's kind of Nixony. Oh, the flashback. Yeah, yeah, wow. Now there's another thing that you and I talked about off air that I've always seen as a very clear indication of Johnson's character, and that's his favorite car prank. This is a good one. Uh, there's a fantastic article uh, from our buddies over at Mental Floss called LBJ, the president who marked his territory. I think we know what that refers to. But, yeah, he would do this thing where he would take visitors to his Texas ranch for a little car ride. And he'd drive them down a big old hill towards a lake and act like he was losing control of the car and yell, the brakes are out. We're going in. We're going in. And then what happened? And then they would indeed hit the water. And they would float, and he would continue steering the vehicle because, you see, it was not an ordinary car. It was a type of amphibious vehicle called an amphibicar. And it was apparently the only one manufactured for uh, civilian use mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and it's funny. I actually, a couple weekends ago, I went with my daughter to a place here around Atlanta called Stone Mountain. And they have this thing called Ride the Ducks, where you get to take a ride in this thing called a duck boat. And it looks like a van, mm-hmm. but it's like a boat. And you, you ride it just like this. You literally, he does the same thing. Even the driver, who was his name was uh, Professor Hollywood. And he was wearing these <laughs> huh. real cool star glasses and telling us all these great tales about movies that were shot around Stone Mountain and stuff. And about the time he and a group of school kids encountered Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who came out of his, hey, a different Johnson. But yeah, he hauls ass for this lake and you just go right in, make a big old splash. And then before you know it, you're floating along, you know, the lazy river. Pretty cool. But mm-hmm. we, we knew it was, we knew, we, we knew it was coming though. So not, not, not mean spirited in the way that, that Johnson was. Hollywood didn't pull a fast one on you? Professor Hollywood. Professor Hollywood. He didn't go to Hollywood Academy for nothing. Hollywood University. <laughs> yes, yes, there in Hollywood, California, or one of the many other towns in the United States named Hollywood. Indeed. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... 
Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're giving a brief overview of a contradictory character, and it's clear that his administration enacted some incredibly profound, important, and beneficial uh, legislation for the American public, but also it's clear that most historians agree there were numerous missteps along the way, both in his political and in his private life. Uh, one thing that we found interesting here is that a lot of people don't talk about the emphasis he had on technology as an early adopter. I mean, what he was doing really was a pioneering work. For sure. Like I said, all based on some sort of outlandish uh, requests. But what is technology if not trying to fill a need that may seem outlandish at the time, but will ultimately become the law of the land when people realize, you know, how could we ever have done without this? You know, I mean, not to say that I have 50 telephones installed in my house, but, um, you know, the fact that you can be untethered. He was essentially trying to create the circumstances that we have with a, a cell phone, but with the limitations of being wired in. Mm -hmm. He wanted to never be any less than arm's reach away from a phone. And it makes me think of um, our old office bin Mm -hmm. in Buckhead. Uh, It used to be the former headquarters of LaFace Records. True story. You know about uh, Babyface, more known as a producer and and songwriter for like Madonna and stuff. I think he had a couple hits on his own. Oh, yeah. But uh, there was this weird bathroom. I'll let you tell it, Ben. It's your story. But there's this weird bathroom that always kind of struck us a little odd, right? Yes, yes. So in the old office that our company used to dwell in had a a strange executive suite all its own. A little bit less than half of the entire office space was taken up by what we believe was the baby face's office himself. And it had an executive washroom. This washroom had a very, very low commode that was directly opposite a full length wall mirror. So that it was unavoidable to, if you were sitting on the commode, it was unavoidable to not see yourself. And directly to the right of this commode, if you picture yourself sitting here, again, very low to the ground, there was a red telephone 
A red landline telephone. Like Batman style? Like would it would it would it glow? Do you think? You know, I hope so. It rang once and I never answered it. No way. Yeah, I was outside of the restroom. I didn't like to hang out in there. It was kind of creepy. Are you messing with me? No, it rang. Damn. So we have to wonder who has the phone number to uh, the LaFace bathroom. Let us know. You can write to us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. You can check out our new Facebook group, The Ridiculous Historians. You want to be a moderator? You, you like that kind of stuff? Shoot us an email at that aforementioned address, and uh, we will look at your credentials and see if you've got the stuff. We will you, We will go through your transcripts. You, you probably do. You probably do. Just the desire is enough. Well, if you're listening to this show, you have impeccable taste. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's pretty clear that the three of us find President Johnson a fascinating character. We'd like to hear some of your Johnson, uh, President Johnson trivia uh, as well. Uh, we'd also like to thank Julia Layton, our regular contributor, who wrote an article about LBJ's phone usage for How Stuff Works. And, of course, we can't say it enough, super producer Casey Pegram. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to lean back and make eye contact with him. Thank you. You're great. That was a really tender moment you just had with Super Producer Casey. And just just to throw out there, too, we, we call him Super Producer Casey. But what that entails is he edits the show. He also does all the cool sound design, any of the little bumpers and all that stuff. That's him. And, of course, he's a contributor vocally. Uh, we're going to try to twist his arm and make him do that a little more often. But we'll, we'll see what how that uh, shapes up. Yeah, it's a foot in the door, a little bit at a time. Uh, he also gives us great life advice. Oh, big time. He's like sort of a life coach slash super producer. We'd also like to thank our composer Alex Williams who wrote our theme and uh, I'll thank you again Ben for just being you and such a handsome devil you are hey thank you Noel you know what thanks to both of us for not going around peeing on people neither of us are perfect but we'll, al- we'll always have that I think so. So you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. My trusted co-host has disclosed the email address. You can visit our website, RidiculousHistoryShow.com, and check out every episode we have ever done. Hey, if you haven't already done it, do us a solid. If you like the show, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, something really nice and spiffy to make us feel good about ourselves and help that algorithm so people discover the show because we like doing it and we want to keep doing it. And stay tuned next time when Noel and I get into an eggnog riot. Is that like a zoot suit riot? You know, the backbeat's a little bit different. Or should I say a whisk? Do we use whisk with eggnog? I, I haven't nogged. A little less saxophone, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Goodbye, everyone. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.